Welcome to the Peer Infrastructure Podcast, a podcast where we talk to CIOs in this region, the East Africa region. The podcast is hosted by Peer Infrastructure, which is a managed cloud company that helps to, uh, firms make a, get a better return on their cloud assets. The podcast is sponsored by VMware, which builds and sells software in the multi-cloud space. Our guest today is George Murage, who is the CTO of Cellulant, which is one of the leading payment companies in Africa. It's one of the largest, if not the largest, in this region. And we'll be discussing both his background and um, Cellulant as a whole. Welcome to the podcast, George. Thank you. Yeah. Just to get us started, can you give us a background? Um, who are you, your educational background? How did you end up at Cellulant? Uh, okay, that's a good uh, <clears throat> that's a good question. So my background is... Um, I tend to think my educational background was sort of like accidental because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I ended up doing um, electrical and electronics engineering um, because there was the promise that yeah, you're going to learn something about a computer. Uh, and then I realized, yeah, we learned a lot of other things and just a little bit about computers, but I thoroughly enjoyed the course. And what, that is what actually got me interested in IT and technology because, well, a lot of my classmates were going to do attachments in um, factories um, to do electrical works. Actually got attachment at a local company that was then leading in setting up local area networks, which were new at that time. That was um, late 90s. And I really got interested in terms of networking, how computers work. And I was really, really interested to learn more and more. So I think that's where I would say that my career started. Uh, there are a lot of things that sort of like pricked my interest in technology. Before that, I'd spent um, a year in Strathmore doing a computer course. So but that was the time I was going to do my undergraduate degree at Jomo Kenyatta University. I was very clear that my future is going to lie with computers or with technology. And um, yeah, I think my career started as a network engineer, then I became a security engineer, then I started building data center solutions and private cloud solutions. And then I have also... Uh, done a lot of work from an operations point of view, managing engineering teams in a telecommunication company. At that time, I was doing fixed um, fixed internet, fixed net, fixed networks offering internet and home fiber. And it's been an interesting journey for me. I found myself in Cellulant, um, well, not accidental. I think... I was not sure I should be joining Cellulant, but the person who was hiring me told me, because they told me what Cellulant does and based on my experience, but the person who was hiring told me that the biggest pain point for Cellulant at that point was a managerial one, and they just needed somebody who could help them, you know, make up grown-up decision-making as far as parts of their technology was concerned. That was five years ago, and um, yeah, I'm still there and enjoying it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And you've sort of, and you've covered this, you've sort of run the entire, you, you've, you've been in the entire space. You've, um, you know, gone from crimping cables, <laughs> local yes. area networks, 
to running networks, designing data center solutions. At some point, you were running part of a telco. Yeah. Um, and now you're building like this massive software platform for payments. How does this all come together? Because it's almost as though you've been in every layer. Um, that's a good question. So as an individual, I'm curious. I, I always want to know how things work inside from... I mean, remembering even growing up, I do remember this time when I took apart my mother's alarm clock. Yeah, it was golden at the back and red. I still remember it because I I took it, I took it apart and I thought I would put it back together. So when I put it back together, it wasn't working and I had spare parts. And yeah, I did get a spanking for that. But I've always been a very curious person. Uh, so for me, it was just learning more about these technologies. As my career transitioned from networking into security, into data centers, into a lot of operations and service management, I'm a curious learner and I like connecting the dots. So for me, the challenge in Cellulant was to learn and understand what they were doing from a product design and software development point of view and I really enjoyed it, especially because when I joined, the company was in a state of transition uh, from being, they'd already made uh, the transition away from being a, ring, a ringtones company. I think that's what Cellulant was known <laughs> well for. And we're already providing payment solutions to banks and then we began extending the, those payment solutions to merchants and then to consumers so I think that was a good point to join Cellulant and understand what it means to deliver a successful product in the market. So I'm still learning. I don't think I'm actually there, um, but I'm really enjoying it, if I could put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, and then, then you, you sort of touched on this. Many people know or knew Cellulant as a ringtones company. In fact, at some point, I think you, um, there was a, literal experience shop in the CBD. Um, what does Cellulant do today? How many markets are you in? What are your core products? If you can just dive into that. Okay, so... Um, so, yeah, Cellulant has been... I think Cellulant has always been evolving based on the market requirements and where the industry is going. So, we have evolved from being... Um, a ringtone company. And actually, the way we evolved was a little bit accidental because we started to experiment with how do we get paid uh, now that we're doing all these ringtones? How do we actually come up with a solution that will allow cellular to be paid? And that's when we innovated around the mobile banking space. And this was even before uh, M-Pesa was launched in Kenya. And we started providing banks with, at that time, what we used to call SMS banking or USSD banking, where people would dial a short code on USSD. And then we began to now just go deeper into the payment value chain to today where today we are in 18 markets in Africa. And what we are doing is providing payment solutions, not just for banks, but also for merchants, because paying in Africa is very... It's very fragmented if you look at the payment landscape that the majority of the people are actually not banked. So you cannot use a credit card. You cannot use a debit card. 
uh, and even though you do have mobile money that has relatively higher penetration has worked very well at increasing the level of financial inclusion in Africa you find that in most markets people have two sim cards they are working with two mnos so what you are trying to do as a land is defragment that space so that you can be able to pay your merchant you can be able to pay your bills regardless of which channel you want to use whether you want to use bank whether you want to use card whether you want to use mobile money the thing about the landscape in africa is that we are still very far from a digitization point of view even in places where there are very large dominant mobile money players such as in kenya with uh, safaricom and zimbabwe with ecocash you still find that even though there are these large organizations they have not crossed the 50% mark in terms of digitizing all transactions from cash to digital form so what what um cellulant is doing in terms of our product offering is we do offer quite a number of products the first one is a checkout product that allows um merchants to access a single api that unlocks um alternative payment methods in a myriad of countries so the single api we can provide you with the ability for your customers to pay um pay for airline tickets for example using mobile money in uganda unlock the ability to pay with a local card in morocco unlock the ability to pay with bank transfer in nigeria so one of the products that we've seen a lot of traction on is our checkout product then the other product in the cellland fold that has been growing has been the ability to pay bills uh within the land a uh, landscape of africa all our bills are predominantly prepaid and true to african behavior most people pay their bills <laughs> when they're almost at the point of exhaustion so if it is power uh places where there is prepaid power most people are paying when they're almost almost out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or they're actually out yeah. and we do provide this through uh the merchants directly powering the short codes that make these payments possible we also make this available through our bank partners and we also make these bill payments uh, available through our consumer channel which we call ting so ting is an app that we've launched in various markets that allows you to pay your bills without a hassle without having to remember the complex account numbers when it is due we do all that hard work for you so all you need to do is tell us how do you want to pay and we facilitate that payment then the other payments the other products that we're looking at in the payment space are where we are simplifying how we are making payments for some for merchants and that is to allow merchants in markets where you have multiple payment methods and you really want to get a good payment experience so we are allowing merchants and these are retail merchants at the point of sale um to be able to pay using any mobile wallet that they want now this may not far sound very valuable uh in a market like Kenya where there is a dominant uh, mobile network operator or a mobile money operator so to speak 
But in a lot of markets in Africa, what you find is that there are two or three. And so what we provide is a way when you're buying your goods, when you're buying your groceries, when you're buying your fish, we provide a journey where you can be able to pay and select what mobile wallet do you want to check out with. Is it from MNOA, MNOB, or MNOC? And that product also at the back end is able to consolidate all these payments for the retailer as one consolidated bucket so that they don't have to be doing separate tallying and reconciliation and settlements uh, from all these different players. We are actually able to do that for them. So that is one of the products that we are really excited about. Uh, we do call it proximity pay because it is a person present product. And it's getting a lot of traction because it just solves a unique problem around where payments are fragmented across uh, several mobile operators, mobile money operators, or also it is a mixture of card plus mobile money operators. Then the other area which is a focus for us is also a merchant product. And this is to address um, a class of merchants who do not necessarily have a backend payment system. So these are merchants who could be on social media platforms that want to provide a way for their customers to pay. But they want to provide a frictionless way for a customer to pay. So what we are doing there is providing a way to provide the customer paying a link. And that link again provides you a choice of how do you want to pay. Are you going to pay the credit card? Are you going to pay with a mobile money wallet? And it's up to the consumer to choose how they want to pay. So that particular product, which you call pay by link, uh, is to solve a problem around uh, social commerce because the people around social commerce and this class of merchants do not necessarily have large backend systems where they can be able to do elegant you know, integrations as you'd normally see with a large retailer. But based on the fact that they are numerous and the onset of COVID has really pushed up the level of digitization and the level of merchants that you're finding on these social media platforms. So it's just about providing choice, convenience, and ease of use to both the merchant and the consumer in these areas. Wow, fantastic. And like, there's one product I've tested, and you've not really, I don't think you captured it, which is like an aggregated way to an easy way to pay bills like you can as a business yeah. log into cellulant and yeah. sort of sort out all your bills centrally yeah so that is a that's a bill payments product okay right. i think i didn't fully yes, process that. yes. <laughs> and that's what it does and there are different flavors of it yeah because when you think about a, a place like zambia we have partnered with one of our bank partners to actually provide a portal yeah. where we allow you to go to that portal say that this is the provider that I want to pay this is the bill we fetch the bill for you and then we allow you to pay uh, but the journeys are normally it could be a portal it could be an app or it could be a USSD journey for you to be able to pay your bill yeah. Yeah. okay and so just to sort of paraphrase the cellular core product you're basically a super aggregator yeah, um, I, I think we are, what we really focus on is trying to make payments simple. Yeah. So we bring together, I, I think you need to bring 
to gather three people to be successful. One obviously is the consumer. The consumer is either coming directly to us or they are going to a bank or they are going to a merchant. But the consumer is very important. Then you do have the merchants. And um, the merchants are the people with the services and the goods that people want to consume. And then banks become a very important partner for us because a lot of people who consume these goods and services are also banked customers. And we do work with our bank partners to be able to enable these banks customer, these banked customers to be able to make payments through their channels. And then the other one is obviously taking a view that we want to provide choice. So whether you are going through a mobile money operator, you want to go through a card, you want to do a bank transfer, is to ensure that we have pipes to all these stores of value and that they work, not only just the payment bit, but a lot of the back-end work that creates a lot of friction for customers. So doing things like reconciliation and settlement in an automated fashion uh, so that a lot of the back office operations are sort of like simplified and the friction that they often produce with customers is eliminated or reduced significantly. Okay. Yeah. And how does your technology stack look? Like the stack that provides all of this? Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think our technology stack has been in a place of evolution. Uh, the reason I say that is when I joined, I think we were primarily running everything on premise. And the company has always had a history of um, being an open source um, fast company. So we were basically a lamp stack uh, shop. But what has happened in the recent past is that we've been changing to be a cloud native stack. So we have been running um, services on public cloud uh, where it is possible to run services in public cloud. And that evolution has ha caused us to evolve our stack significantly to, first of all, decouple, to move to a loosely decoupled architecture that's microservices based. And because we operate in the financial services space, it's also caused us to rethink security very significantly um, because the requirements for security will continue to rise. And for us, as a player in this space, we do want to take a leading role to ensure that we are really embedding security in everything that we are doing. So we are evolving to a cloud-native stack that's microservices-based. We are picking up newer stacks, uh, such as Angular, to build out a lot of our UI front-end capabilities. We've always been... Uh, a Java shop, so to speak. So it's just the journey of moving from traditional Java to a Spring Boot Java that um, is cloud native and allows us to really build applications that are lightweight, applications that are scale that can scale, and applications that are resilient. And when I think about our stack in terms of where we are going to, it's where we are able to speak all the languages of Africa, if I can put it that way, that we really have a resilient, scalable, and multi-tenant stack that if we turn on a capability in one country, that capability is available in all the countries that we are operating in. 
and that that capability is bilingual it will understand french it will understand english it will understand portuguese it will understand arabic uh, <laughs> and it's also multi currency so it will accept the shilling it will accept the kwacha it will accept the naira so that is a vision in terms of where we want to go and what the problems in africa that we want to solve with this particular stack yeah okay Um, we'll take a break for a word from our sponsors at this point. In a digital world, financial service organizations must move at the speed of innovation. A new generation of disruptive technologies and competitors are giving customers infinite choice, pushing banks to rethink business models and the IT infrastructure that supports them. Modern banking requires modern IT infrastructure based on an intelligent digital foundation that bridges legacy and next generation technology to free IT to shape an unlimited future, protect against cybersecurity threats, and continuously adapt to the needs of customers and employees across any device, any app, any cloud. When it's time to create new value, deliver new experiences, and increase profits while mitigating risk, Financial Services relies on a trusted digital partner with 20 years experience, powering the world's most successful retail, commercial and investment banking IT infrastructure. Where could an intelligent digital foundation take your business next? Welcome back to the PM Infrastructure Podcast where we're chatting with George Murage who's the CTO at Cellulant. Um now before the break we were discussing your technology stack. I just want to sort of pull further on that thread. Um you're in multiple markets. Um which means that you're dealing with multiple governments. Um and like a very wide geography. So you know latency matters on one hand because you know the the distance between say South Africa and uh, Nairobi is um not insignificant. Um but at the same time you're dealing with governments. Um and all of them have different regulatory requirements i cannot imagine it's easy navigating this where on one hand you know today there might not have been a data residency requirements in a particular country the next day there um and all of this is happening while the hyperscale providers are not in country how do you navigate um just the policy and regulatory framework on the continent yeah uh yeah that's a good question Um so I I believe our future looking at where our technology is going to evolve to is always going to be hybrid. Um there are certain markets in Africa where you do have to do processing locally and store the data locally. And we accommodate that. We do set up local data centers and we do run services locally. And to be able to be able to to be able to provide the same experience that we would provide in a local data center as we would in the cloud so these um regulations are evolving not just the ones around data residency as it is but there's also mushrooming regulation around data privacy that data regulators really want data privacy regulators really want to be sure that you do have permission to use somebody's uh, private identifiable information that you do have permission to collect it and you do have permission to actually use it for the purpose that you're using it so as part of our efforts you know to be a leader in africa as a, 
Pan African Payment uh, Company. We we take these things very seriously. We do talk and stay very close to regulators so that we ensure that we actually comply with what the regulators expect from us. And the good thing is that the technologies have been maturing. I would say over the last five years or so. Um, I think five years ago, it was pretty difficult to build something in the cloud and then try and run that same thing uh, in a data center locally. Mm -hmm. But today, the way the technology has evolved, it does make things a lot easier that you can be able to run the same, same applications in the cloud and then run them locally in the data center. Obviously, there are partners who have made that possible because they have been evolving their technology and VMware is one of them. Uh, and also the fact that I think when we began, for example, our cloud journey, the data centers were all in Europe. <laughs> they were the closest one. And some of the services we do run are very latency sensitive. But over the recent past, what we've seen is the major cloud providers are now setting up. They have actually set up data centers in um, South Africa, they are exploring how to set up data centers in the near future, either in Kenya or Nigeria, which is going to be a plus for us. They have set up uh, data centers in the Middle East, in Bahrain, um, in the Emirates. And that's significant because like for a country like Kenya, we do have the team submarine cable that goes into Emirates, into Fujairah which makes it ideal for some of the latency-sensitive workloads that need to stay close to Kenya or need to stay close to the continent of Africa. And then the other thing that is also changing is that the cloud providers are also embracing the hybrid models. So they are allowing you to run like a subset of the cloud infrastructure on-premise. Um, and this is something that will continue to grow and will be a plus for us. So we do expect that governments are going to take different approaches to data privacy. And as Cellulant, we are ready for that. We work very collaboratively with them just to ensure that our customers' data is safe and that we are in line with all the regulations that are there in the markets that we operate in. Okay. And so I'll take a slight tangent into a topic that's becoming fairly hot in Kenya at the moment, which is talent. You have one of the largest um, tech teams locally. How do you recruit, train, um, and retain your devs? Um, that's a good question. Uh, talent is, um, how do I put it? There's just a war on talent going on right now, <laughs> if I could put it that way. Yeah. Uh, as you know, a lot of companies in this space, in the financial technology space or payment space, have raised money. So people are liquid. Yeah. And they're not necessarily going to wait to train up new people. They're just going to hire um, the existing talent that's there in the market. Then also, I think that has been made a little bit worse that there are large international brands, technology brands that have taken a particular interest in Africa. Um, so they are setting up development centers in Nairobi. They are setting up data centers in South Africa. And essentially what we are seeing them doing is that they are just sweeping top talent across the, across the continent. 
So the way we are doing it is, I think for us, the advantage we have is that we are in many countries. So for example, if I think about Kenya, Kenya, the supply of tech talent is significantly short compared to demand. But that's not necessarily the case when we look at the landscape of the countries that we are in. It's not necessarily the case in Egypt or in Zimbabwe or in Zambia or in Nigeria. So for us, that is what we are using to see, can we get the best talent in the countries that we are in? And the thing is that Africa has a lot of talent uh, in terms of the people who come out of the university system. The gap is usually one of exposure. The gap is usually one of training. But the raw elements in terms of is this somebody who can learn something complicated and be able to do something complicated and something advanced, that is there. So in terms of how we are managing this talent is we, we do take learning and development seriously because we do understand people. Technology is a space where things are changing all the time. So you can never reach uh, a place of saying, you know, I know everything. You're always going to be learning, always going to improve. And then the other thing we do is just working to ensure that we are strengthening our leadership of the people who are managing this top talent because um, attracting talent is difficult enough. What you want to do is that once you've been able to attract that talent, then you're able to retain it. And retention is primarily something about the strength, depth, and breadth of the managers who are managing that talent. So it's to ensure that we have quality leadership, quality managers who are ensuring that these talented men and women are actually growing. Um, but there are very exciting things happening in this space. I think quite a number of learning institutions have taken up the challenge that there's a shortfall of tech talent in a couple of buckets. One is yeah, traditional computer science or software engineering as we know it. The other one is cloud computing. Um, the other one is data science, uh, proper data scientists, uh, not just understanding the statistics or the maths, but do understand all the stacks from data engineering to data analysis to where they can actually be able to build, you know, machine learning models and AI models. And then the other one is around, uh, and this for me was a surprise, is around uh, UI and UX research that it's a distinct science and not many people are aware that there's actually a shortage. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, human beings have somehow been trained by big tech that, you know, if something is not intuitive, then you just abandon it, yeah. yeah? So the UI UX side is to help you understand that if you make your product a certain way, then it's going to be easier for the customers to use. It's going to be more palatable for the users to use. But they are in short supply. But I'm glad in terms of what I've seen so far that couple of learning institutions have taken the challenge to say, okay, we're going to train data scientists. We're going to train UX and interaction designers. We're going to train uh, software engineers, not just the 
computer science part of it, but what does it take to actually deliver a product? So some of these institutions are actually teaching these young men and women how to work under agile teams. Uh, some of them are actually getting the students to work 60, 70 hours a week to give them a taste of what it means to work in a group of software developers and also to train cloud engineers or people who understand cloud computing, which is, it's a big change for anyone who um, trained as a network engineer or a system engineer They're waking up to the fact that both are now being married and that role is being called cloud engineering and yeah. you're being expected to be fluent in both and then to add on software skills, be it a scripting skill or an automation skill because when you go to the cloud, everything can be software driven. Everything can be automated with software. So the traditional system a network engineer is learning how to reinvent themselves as a software engineer who orchestrates infrastructure. Wow. Yeah. And so I'll, 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 as we get to the tail end of the interview, I wanted to ask what your thoughts are, and you covered this at the beginning of the, you sort of touched on it. What's your view on the payment landscape in this part of the world, in sub-Saharan Africa? Because we are now producing unicorns. I think there are two so far. I think yeah. it was cheaper cash and there was one other. There's a lot of money being raised. There's a lot of hype Um, like what's your view on just the payment landscape in general? Mm, I think the the payment landscape, there is a lot of, um, there's a lot that needs to be done. As I explained, there is still a lot of um, cash in these payment value chains and cash presents problems because of the cost of securing cash, the cost of transporting cash, And if you're able to digitize a lot of these value chains, then you find you can be able to grow those particular sectors. And it doesn't matter whether it's a retail sector, whether it's agriculture, um, whether it's entertainment, whether it's finance. The moment you're able to digitize them, then you're able to add velocity. And you're also able to add a dimension of 24 by 7 availability. So I think, they, in my view, the skies are open. <laughs> And I do believe you will be hearing a lot more unicorns, a lot more money being raised to solve this problem. And for me, it's not really, I think what I look at is not the money that is being raised. It's really the impact. What impact are we having? Are we making it easier for people to pay bills? Are we making it easier for people to access services? Are we making it easier for people to be able to sell their goods. Um, and I think that's what it really is about. That I think for me, success is in the terms of the benefits that go to the consumer. And the way the consumer is able to change their lifestyle simply because things have become easier. That now they don't, uh, if I give a simple example, is that um, you don't have to send school fees uh, only by getting a banker's check. Uh, a lot of those value chains are getting digitized. So you can pay using your favorite method now that you don't have to carry money and when you need to pay this merchant or that merchant. All these things are digital. You can order and you can be able to pay. And the fact that, you know, we are just in the season where COVID so, so, sort of taught us that 
businesses must learn to exist without too much physical contact the the skies are really open the landscape is exciting and i do think that the benefits that are going to trickle down to africa are going to be immense not just from uh the people we are looking to hire and the people who we are going to impact directly as our employees and stakeholders but also as customers whose lives are going to be changed simply because the cost of doing business will go down because um the payments are being digitized and also the fact that a lot more people can transact without necessarily having brick and mortar wow that's quite compelling and so to sort of tie that in again um what do you see as what the future for cellulant and you as george personally what does the future hold um okay so for for cellulant we are working and working hard at becoming the payment vendor of choice becoming the latest payment uh vendor in africa and we think we are in positioned well to do that based on our capabilities and our footprint and yeah for me it's an exciting journey to see just how deep we can go into these value chains and deliver value for our customers our merchants and our banks uh, i think for me i'm enjoying the journey the I'm still amazed by the number of things that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm learning. I'm learning um I'm learning more and more about people. And I'm also learning more and more about the technology. So I'm just excited about where I am. I'm excited about the next stages um that the company is going to go through, the next inflection points for growth and yeah, really looking forward to it. Great. Any last remarks? Uh no just thank you thank you for having me uh, I've really enjoyed being here and speaking to you okay it's yeah. also been very instructive for me so I've actually found myself <laughs> listening and learning as we were going along there, yeah. there was just a lot I didn't understand about how you functioned like Sutherland functioned as a company on a day to day basis so thank you for coming okay that's it for today's episode um we'll be back in a fortnight where we'll be interviewing someone from Liquid Intelligent Technologies Digital first expectations, fierce competition, never-ending security threats. The financial services industry is no stranger to complexity nor disruption. In a year like no other, financial institutions reimagined how products and services are delivered and consumed while focusing on a new type of currency, the digital experience. For over 20 years, VMware has partnered with financial services organizations worldwide to provide customers and employees with digital first experiences that drive growth, efficiencies, loyalty, and trust. As the IT platform of choice for financial services, including 10 out of the top 10 largest global and commercial banks worldwide, VMware's support for any cloud, any app, and any device enables IT organizations to safely accelerate digital strategies. while driving operational excellence and security at scale. My advice to my colleagues, strive to become a disruptor rather than wait for others to disrupt your business. Shape your future to avoid others shaping yours. Together, banking institutions and VMware are transforming IT to build a culture of innovation, resiliency, and security into the core of the industry.
VMware's modern application solutions, coupled with our digital foundation, enables financial services organizations to standardize and automate data center infrastructure, modernize core banking systems and traditional applications, build new cloud-native apps and services, enable greater business continuity and agility, empower remote and distributed employees, and deliver personalized, multi-channel customer experiences that drive engagement, satisfaction, and loyalty. The most exciting part of transformation is the part in which you are transforming and helping the people in order to get a better quality uh, life. What I'm real proud about that is that we became the innovator area, the innovator department. So now we are doing a lot of transformation, a lot of innovation, little by little, of course, but we are doing it based on people. VMware's modern application and multi-cloud platform, also known as the VMware Digital Foundation, enables a consistent IT operating environment across clouds, apps, and devices. This enables organizations to bridge legacy IT investments of any kind with modern technologies of every kind, such as AI, ML, 5G, and blockchain, to unlock even greater value from already fast-moving digital plans. We certainly hope that by being innovative, our members receive the best when they look around the marketplace. Our members are absorbing our services pretty much wherever they want to at any given time. That drives a lot of what the organization is attempting to do over the next several years. VMware Anywhere Workspace Solutions deliver unified endpoint management, desktop and application virtualization, and Secure Access Service Edge, SASE, for a comprehensive distributed work strategy that enables employees with high performance, secure access to data and applications across any device or location. Most central to the customer experience is trust. No other vendor today provides an integrated approach that eases the move to zero trust through infrastructure intelligence. In the face of a crowded industry landscape, remaining relevant and resilient means delivering exceptional customer service and experiences. With VMware as a trusted industry partner, financial services organizations can continue to leverage modern IT to dismantle legacy systems and operations, extend value to new and existing customers, and maintain consumer trust today and far into the future.